Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, obviously, lots of changes have happened, um, not only in real estate, but everywhere recently. Um, so we thought we'd do a podcast today to help people understand what's actually happening in Brisbane in the market right now. Yes, welcome back, everybody. This really is just our experience um, sharing that with you all so that you've got some perspective on what we are actually seeing across different pockets in Brisbane. This is on the ground experience and we do believe it's going to add a lot of value because it's going to give some perspective. Um, A lot of the big news headlines sort of tell one story, but we're seeing a broad cross-section of the market. So we're really wanting to share the truth of what we are experiencing every Saturday by being out and about um, and some real stories of uh, properties that we are looking at and and what those results have been so hopefully you get some value so probably a little bit less data heavy in this one but this this might suit me a little bit more than melinda but um it it just it's just as melinda said it's just to give you an idea like our team we are out not only through the week we are definitely out on saturdays um, and we spread everywhere throughout brisbane on a saturday talking to agents seeing how many people are out seeing how many people are bidding at auctions um seeing what's actually happening in real time on the ground as opposed to what you're sort of hearing in the media as well. So what we wanted to do is is just bring it back to earth, I guess, um, and let people understand what we're actually seeing and what's definitely happening. We get asked quite a bit um, when we have phone calls and inquiries from clients that come through wanting to know what's happening in Brisbane and what do we what do we think's going to happen. And, and I guess as we probably do say, um, you know, when we're seeing less demand is when we when we'll see that drop off in um, in in inquiries or you know how the market will actually perform um, and we're not seeing that we're still seeing high demand so I guess the biggest thing if we if we go through that picture of buying real estate um, listing numbers is probably the, the first one what we're seeing on that side of things and look I think what we're seeing is um, quite similar to what the data is showing um, and as Scott mentioned this is not a data rich uh, pod podcast episode, but what this, um, if we look at the last three months of CoreLogic data, it does show that new listings are declining. So what this tells us is that each month since July this year, we've had a small reduction in the number of new properties that are being listed on the major real estate portals of realestate.com and domains. So that's what we talk about when we talk about listing numbers. So what does this mean? When we're seeing the number of new listings decline, it simply means that um, fewer sellers are confident to bring their properties to the market. Um, And therefore, we're seeing lower volumes of properties become available for sale. But Scott, we're also seeing a shift in the composition of those properties or the quality of those properties. Yeah, so definitely, you know, your A-grade properties. I mean, when we're seeing them on the market, they're definitely selling. Um, And as you sort of touched on, which is another thing, obviously, to probably to look at is, I guess some people like the sellers could be thinking, well, if I go and sell, where am I going to buy? Because the listing numbers are down. So some sellers are then are saying, well, I'll just sit tight for a little while longer um, and, and then possibly look at selling it then or I'll keep it and I'll rent it out. Yeah, and it's really interesting that you say that um, a lot of the total listing um, numbers, if, if that incorporates both new listings and um, older listings, we're seeing a trend that total listing volumes are actually starting to increase in Brisbane. So what this also tells us is that there's more properties that are sitting on the market for longer. So 
Um, it means that either the sellers are not prepared to meet the market, that is, they're not prepared to pay or not prepared to accept what a buyer is prepared to pay, or a buyer is not prepared to pay what a seller wants. So um, I guess that gap between buyers and sellers has been widening, um, and therefore more properties are taking longer to sell. Uh, we are definitely um, seeing opportunity in the current market where there is a motivated seller. Where there is no motivated seller, we're seeing properties uh, sit on the market for longer. So, you know, when we're in an environment of low listing volumes or low listing numbers, uh, there's more buyers potentially scrambling over fewer properties available for sale. So that's what's keeping our supply and demand metrics in balance. And we're seeing that on the ground. And I, I, I'll give some examples. Um, you know, we can turn up at some properties, line up to get into those properties still in the current market. Now, that's not what you'll hear in the media, but that is happening in some locations for some properties. On the other end of the spectrum, you can turn up at some properties and you can think, well, where are the other buyers? Because you may be the only person inspecting that property for a full, you know, half an hour duration, or you might only be there along with one or two other buyers. Now, they are two very different um, metrics um, in terms of real-time demand. If you are lining up to get into a property, there might be, you know, 30 or 40 groups going through within a half hour scheduled open home versus only one or two groups through that same um, time frame, that's going to give a very different indication of the specific demand for that property type. And therefore, that's going to give you an indication of how much interest there is on the property and therefore how um, how many buyers might be interested to put forward an offer and how competitively fought that or how competitive that property might be um, fought after, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're more, more the, the more buyers that there are, um, the more competition that that creates and therefore it's more likely that that will push the price up, which is exactly the situation that we saw throughout most of 2021. And I guess uh, uh, jumping back to what you did say a little while ago is sellers' expectations could be at, at a certain level. Um, sellers could be still caught up in what it was like 2021, thinking the market's still going ahead and it's still moving. Um, up in up at the speed that it was. Some buyers are probably then listening to the media saying, oh, no, the market's crashed and, the, you know, the bottom's dropped out of it and then we should be getting bargains. That That's probably where the difference is. Um, if you can actually work together with a seller, a buyer and a seller actually working together, which is what we obviously do, um, and trying to get that happy medium, you're still, you're still buying a, a really good solid property as long as it's an A-grade property in the right location. So all that ticks all those boxes, obviously. Um, and making that sort of you know negotiation with it with a seller, um, there's no bargain sort of you know bargain basement pr um, prices I don't think. Um, so I think it's that negotiation stage to try and match in what the market actually is actually worth, working on you know some historical data and things like that as well to understand where it sits. Yeah, and I think another measure is where you may be turning up at an auction. Now, um, some of the most recent data, again, that we've looked at shows that the average number of registered bidders in Brisbane over the last few months has been 2.3 or thereabouts. Now, you know, we were at an auction just last Saturday where there were 11 registered bidders. Now, straight away, that tells us real-time demand is well above the average for that property. 
and therefore a property like that is likely to sell um, with more competition and therefore at a higher price providing they they fight that out and that was exactly what we observed at that auction where there were 11 registered bidders now I don't want to always give positive examples there have been other examples where um, our team may have been one of only two or three registered bidders at auction um, and there have been instances where other bidders have been too afraid or too uncertain um, to even put forward a bid even though they were registered at auction. Now in instances like that there can be opportunity to buy very well especially when there is a motivated seller or a motivated vendor and we've certainly been able to pick up some really quality properties um, simply because other buyers have lacked the confidence and they've been uncertain whereas you know our team when you do know the value of a property um, you can go into negotiations at an auction uh, without any hesitation about value knowing that you are buying the property um, well within the appraisal range or even under the appraisal range when there's a motivated seller. So if we if we jump, and we, we might jump around a little bit, obviously, so I'll try and keep a bit of a, a path on it here, but when you're talking about negotiation and auctions, for example, you, you look at different sales campaigns. Um, Brisbane has never probably historically been the big auction city. Um, so there's different types of ways um, people are selling at the moment. Um, obviously, there's that private treaty, um, negotiation. Good properties at the moment. Um, we're still seeing multiple offer. Mm. Um, you know, we're still going into that opportunities where there's there's multiple offers on a property, and unfortunately, that's just a, it's a best and final offer. Um, you need to know the market. You need to know where it is. You need to talk to the agent. You need to get as much information as you can on that side of it. Um, and there's also auctions, as as you said. When it comes to an auction side of it, sometimes there's a, there is a motivated seller. Um, they might have bought elsewhere. They might have committed somewhere elsewhere. They have to go through that auction campaign or some sales agents like auction campaigns as well. And, uh, you know, as recently as yesterday, I was on the phone to an agent um, with a property that was a new listing that uh, they were advertising. And I asked, well, what is the, the campaign? How are you going to roll this campaign out? Um, I always ask that question so that I understand how quickly this property could sell. And I think and encourage, I think and recommend every buyer should um, be asking that question to an agent. Um, some agents will hold midweek inspections. Um, others will hold off all inspections until a weekend. Um, a property is always available for sale from the time it is listed. And if you have the opportunity to buy quickly, um, you need to know whether that opportunity exists. But equally, you need to know if other buyers are going to be putting in an offer quickly where does that leave you as a buyer? Um, and we've, you know, had communication with agents where they will say, look, our buyer's, you know, likely to accept an offer at the level that um, they're wanting as soon as that offer comes in, whether that's after the first inspection um, or whether we wait until the weekend. So um, my point being, you must be ready to buy if it is a quality property um, as soon as you've seen that property and do not expect this market at the moment to give a lot of time just because we are in a transitioning market because not every property will give you the benefit of time. And we've seen that play out in real time where some properties um, unexpected, unexpectedly have sold very, very quickly and that can often leave buyers in the lurch. And, you know, some buyers get quite cranky when they, they've missed out because they've not been in a position to make that decision quickly. So my advice is always to you know, monitor the market and be in a position to buy as soon as you have inspected, regardless of how that campaign is being run. Because at the end of the day, the sales agent 
calls the shots in terms of when they're going to close offers. So you need to be ready to be putting forward an offer on a property if it is the right property that you're looking for as soon as it becomes available. Just just on that, obviously, then the communication with agents. And, and this is something, as we've talked about, I was speaking with a um, you know, a, a very good agent um, here in Brisbane just on the weekend, had a really good chat to them. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that you need to be actually be able to talk to them. There's no such, like, I don't believe in playing hardball, for example, and just saying, well, I'll, you know, I'll just sit tight and I'll wait. It's, even if it's an auction campaign, if you just sit back and wait, if they get a good offer that the seller says, you know what, I'll accept it, and they're well within their rights to accept it, um, it could be gone and you completely miss out. Um that transparency, that communication with the agent, if you're there, if you're interested in it, talk to them about it. Um, you know, for example, the agent I went to on the weekend, I, I inspected on Saturday, I spoke Saturday afternoon, I spoke again on Monday and kept that open, honest communication with them um, just so that they knew where we were standing and, and our, um, our take on the property, whether our client's interested or whether we're not. It gives them that opportunity to go, well, you know what, go ahead, sell it or we're still here um, and keep talking with us. Yeah, it's really good advice. Communicate openly with the agent around your interest in the property. Now, you'll note that I did not say communicate openly with the agent around your price um, and value of the property. That's not what I'm suggesting. You just need to indicate that you are interested in the property. Of course, agents will ask the questions around where do you see value? Would you you know, buy the property if it was priced at this point or this point? They're really trying to extract information about the quality um, of buyers that are inspecting the home, but they're also trying to understand, you know, what budget you might be shopping with. Um, be very wary about answering those questions. Um, you can turn that around and say, look, we're, we're looking at the same comparative sales. Um, what comparable sales have you provided um, to help determine the value of this property? You are able to ask those questions to see what information you can extract from the agent themselves. So obviously, all of the questions that you ask form the narrative around uh, you know, the value of the property, but also form a narrative around potentially why a seller might be looking to sell their property. And if you understand that motivation of a seller, it's going to give you an indication as to whether this property is um, likely to sit on the market for a long time if the um, offers don't reach the expectation of the seller or whether that seller is likely to meet the market because a motivated seller is more likely to meet the market. Um, so demand, when we're looking at, and this is obviously something we can Data-wise, we probably do it on the ground a lot more than um, anywhere else and going out and actually looking and, and looking through properties. A as we've touched on earlier, um, B-grade, C-grade properties, flood-affected main roads, noise, things like that, they're probably sitting a little bit longer at the moment, probably taking a little bit longer to, to sell, um, not getting probably as much as what they would hope sometimes. Um, good A-grade properties, and I've just got a couple of examples here um, for you. One is, one is a unit. For example, so we looked at a few different properties on, on, over the weekend. I just picked out two. Um, one is a unit, first inspection on this property, and they had 29 groups through. Just for some um, um, clarity, that's a blue chip location, ground floor unit with courtyard, um, walking distance to train four kilometres from the CBD. So yep. we're not talking high density units in, in the inner city market. We're talking quality um, units in the uh, blue chip location. That, that property they were thinking of actually selling closing offers on Monday um, because of the amount of interest on it. They're actually holding another open um, midweek and then they'll look to um, take all the offers to the, to, the, uh, to the seller after that. So really good numbers on that. Um, another one um, which has had, a, it's a, uh, this next one's an auction campaign. It's a, it's a nice house in a, in a blue chip area again. Um, 
auction campaign. They've had two opens on this property. I actually did a private inspection on this one um, and had a good chat to the agent about it. The first open, they had 46 groups through. And then on the second open home, they had 30 groups through. Yeah, that gives you a really good indication of demand for those properties. But at the same time, it's it's not always um, the, the very high volumes through properties. And as Scott pointed out, there have been other properties where, you know, we have attended open homes and there's really very few people that turn up. Um, and then you start to ask questions as to why that might be. Is it the floor plan? Is it the location? Is it any um, specific overlays? Is it because it's got a tenant in place and this area is, you know, dominated by owner occupiers looking um, for properties. There's so many variables that can come into it. Um, one thing I will say when we look at data, again, just to get a little bit of that data in there, uh, PropTrack monitor the demand um, on property by looking at how many people are reading real estate listings on realestate.com. And there's definitely been a decline over the last few months compared to the peak. Remember in Brisbane, our peak market conditions uh, where we saw the highest or the greatest price growth per month, that was back in November and December 2021. So that's where we saw the peak rate of price growth um, in our capital city market. So since then, the demand has been declining. However, when we look at the current demand compared with the demand prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, so as a, as a point in time, we're, we're talking now two and a half years ago, um, the the current demand for houses in Brisbane has increased 79.8% over and above pre-pandemic levels of demand. And in the unit segment, it has increased 126%. So we are still well above what would be considered normal levels of demand. And that's really something that people must understand in the current market, despite what you're listening to in the media, despite rising interest rates, despite a lot of negative headlines, there are still a lot of people interested in real estate. And that is translating to strong volumes of buyers turning up to some open homes. It's not across the board, but it is definitely in select pockets for select types of properties. And I think that's really important for buyers to understand because whilst we've got heightened demand based on long-term trends, we've also got suppressed supply because those new listing volumes are shrinking. So we've got this imbalance between supply and demand, and that's why we're seeing prices hold up. And we're in a rental crisis, which um, th those numbers are very low. I knew we couldn't go a whole podcast without a little bit of data in there. but. Just but they, some perspective but they are good numbers actually to, they're actually mind-boggling numbers when you when you throw that those percentages around so um whilst we talking on that the demand sales side of it auctions obviously you know numbers as, as melinda said in that earlier we went to one recently there was 11 registered bidders um we're still seeing good numbers in most auctions um and, and quite good clearance rates on auctions i think most good as we say again good locations good auctions um that they are selling quite well um, probably a tip on that one is, is do a few inspections. Um, don't just go to one inspection. Go and check the property out. Do a couple of inspections. Um, go back and see it again the weekend before. See who's there. See who you've seen again. Um, the only other thing with that one is, is your building and pest side of it. Probably another tip for everyone. Make sure you understand the building and pest report. Um, you know, I review all of those. I do them for our clients. Make sure we understand everything about them. If there's anything that 
we're slightly unsure of and, or if it doesn't quite make sense or if I need to explain it a little bit more to a client, for example, I'll actually go and inspect again after I've read the inspection report. Go and have a look at it. Make sure you understand what it is and, and you know exactly what you're buying because you're buying unconditional at an auction. So there's a tip for people. Go and get the report and then go back and have a look at the property again. And it's always wise to ask the agent in the lead up to an auction if a building and pest um, inspection report has been provided by the sellers. Um, yes, you can rely on a building and pest report supplied by the sellers. Um, some of them are more detailed than others. So you always have the right to request your own building and pest inspector um, complete their own independent report in the lead up to an auction. That's at your discretion, of course. Uh, but have someone to um, read over the building and pest report if you don't understand it yourself so that you've got clarity and you understand what you're reading. It's really important because as Scott said, buying at auction, you are buying unconditionally and there's no recourse available to you once that hammer hits if you're the, the winning bidder. Um, as I mentioned earlier in relation to auctions, you know, we're not seeing huge volumes of, um, of registered bidders at, at a lot of auctions anymore, unlike last year where there was you know, it wasn't uncommon to see 15 or 20 registered bidders. That's, that's not the normal now. Um, there are select locations and select types of properties, as we've given the example, where there's a much higher volume of registered bidders. And when that happens, you really must be aware as a buyer that it's likely to push the price up in most cases. Um, but if you're turning up to the auction, um, sometimes there might be only one or two registered bidders. We are seeing a lot more auctions pause and enter negotiations. Um, so you must be prepared to have those negotiations directly with the sales agent or with the auctioneer so that you can actually reach um, a verdict or reach a conclusion or reach a sale price with the seller. Um, don't be scared of those negotiations. At that time, it's the opportunity for the agent and the auctioneer to give you more of an indication of where you might need to be. However, this is the time where we see so many property buyers make big mistakes and we've seen buyers shift um, really more than they need to to bring a property onto the market. And your knowledge of the comparable sales if you enter negotiations is critical because you can be objective in those negotiations rather than being emotional and subjective, okay? So that's my biggest tip. If you're entering negotiations when a property um, stalls at an auction, it's so important that you're prepared with objective information to use in those negotiations because if you don't have that objective data to support your negotiations, um, it's going to become an emotional negotiation and you may overpay. It's interesting that one. And I'm just, while I was talking about auctions and things like that, um, we, I mean, we, we do auction bidding alone for people. So we can offer that to people to go and do auction bidding. And it's interesting when you actually think about the amount of money you're actually going to spend on buying a property. Let's say it's a million dollars, $2 million. That's still, it's a lot of money anyway. Um, and a lot of people will go, oh, look, I can do it on my own. I can just go and do that. It's fine. I guess the question is how many times would the average person buy a property at auction in their life? <laughs> yeah, it's not like everybody's <laughs> an experienced bidder, um, but people do like to control 
you know, their, the spending of their money. And I, I accept that. I think that it's important for people to understand the process. And if you're listening to this episode and you haven't already listened to our, ed, uh, our episode a couple of weeks ago on uh, mistakes that people make at auctions here in Brisbane, I encourage you to go back, loop back to that episode because there's lots of handy tips for you if you are going to represent yourself at auction. Um, it also gives you some insights into you know, the value that getting professional assistance can add because we've seen so many property buyers every weekend pay much more than they need to pay when they're bidding at auction simply because they're giving the auctioneer what they need to pay even or what the auctioneer is asking for rather even once the property is called on the market instead of driving that bidding themselves. So lots of tips there if uh, you are interested, circle back. I guess another one is price, obviously understanding the market and seeing where it is at the moment, how it's moved, where it, what it's doing in the market. I guess a question which I'll throw to you then is, is if I look at a property and say this is what it sold for last year, so this is what it should be worth now, I mean, I guess it's something that people do look at and try and work out what the difference is from that market that at the say the peak around 2021 to, to what it is doing now? Yeah, it's a good question. And one thing I'll say just to pre-frame that is that just because a property sold for a certain price, you know, previously doesn't mean to say that that was a reflection of um, good value at that time. So I'll just mention that up front, but it does provide an indication of what a buyer was prepared to pay and what a seller was prepared to accept at a point in time. You can then look at median um, data at a suburb level to see how much that suburb may have grown. Remember, as I mentioned, during 2021, we had some of the strongest month-on-month growth here in Brisbane, um, especially in the housing sector, um, compared to to any, any sort of period prior. So, you know, at our peak, we had 32% house price growth across 12 months. So if we're looking back 18 months, there's 32% of house price growth, um, according to median value data, and we've come off only 4% or 4.5% off those peaks. So we're still well and truly up 27% on 18 months ago. So I think it's very easy for uh, buyers to forget that growth and that massive growth phase that we've had uh, before the market has started to slow and transition, which has only been the last three months here in Brisbane. So um, really important to understand if there have been any sales or properties available for sale um, that are sold recently, you can use all sorts of indicators to get an understanding of what their value might be worth today based on their last sale price. But you also need to know whether that last sale price was valid at that point in time or whether what it was a bit of an outlier because you know if it's sold in a very hot market maybe someone overpaid at that time as well so it's important to consider um consider it all you know in a broad perspective so i guess preparation to buy um it's usually it's something we we make sure that our clients are ready and uh everything is organized if you as we as we've sort of pointed out i guess in this really good properties are selling um they're in demand and, and they are selling still reasonably fast some of them very fast um, so I guess a big tip for everyone as well, again, is to be prepared to buy. Make sure you're organised, make sure you've got it ready so that you are actually in that position. Because if somebody comes in, and I, again, a property went to on the weekend, first open home, um, they had offers on it straight away on the weekend. So you've got to be prepared to buy as well. Yeah, and I think that that's really important. If you are starting to test the market, um, 
make sure that your finance is ready, make sure that you understand the terms upon which you're going to be offering for any property before you really hit um, the inspections and start talking to agents around what you're looking for because you never know when the right property uh, will come up and you may need to move quickly depending on the demand for that property from other buyers and depending on the motivation of the seller. So there's a few moving parts as a property buyer that you need to be aware of and our recommendation always is get all of your ducks lined up before you start the search so that you can be in a position to buy when the right property becomes available. You can move quickly if that is required, um, but even if the process is going to take more time, you know that you're going to be ready to, to put the offer in when the, um, when the process unfolds. So that's what we're seeing, I guess, on the ground. Um, inquiry side of it, I guess that's another thing. I mean, what are we seeing? If we look at Brisbane, say, and, and obviously, the Brisbane market, what's happening in the future, I guess, and this this will help a part of the future. Inquiry levels, some infrastructure, and obviously the Olympics in the future. They're probably three things that are going to um, do a bit of future work. What are we seeing on that side? Look, there's no doubt at all that in the last three months, inquiry from investors started to slip away um, off the announcement just, you know, a couple of weeks ago in relation to the Queensland government scrapping the Queensland land tax, we've already seen a huge uptick in investor inquiry here in Brisbane through our own books. So isn't it interesting just how much of a deterrent um, that legislative change was going to be for investors? Um, investors obviously at the moment now are much more motivated because they're not going to be at risk of much higher holding costs. Of course, we know interest rates are higher. However, um, Brisbane is the capital city that's seen the um, greatest rate of rental price growth for houses across all capital cities in Australia. And our, our rental price growth in the unit sector is, you know, a close third behind other capital cities as well. So we have very strong yields, which is what is also attracting um, a lot of investors. Now you talk about infrastructure in the Olympics, of course, you know, being the only capital city in Australia with an Olympic Games planned for 10 years time, 2032, there's so much infrastructure that is still um, under development across our city right now. And there's so much opportunity that will come as a result of the development of certain precincts throughout Brisbane. Um, and that's our job as buyers agents to help educate our clients about the opportunities that, um, that present, but also to help people to understand not just what Brisbane looks like today, but what it will look like in the future based on all of this um, change that's coming and all of the development that's occurring around us. Yeah, the infrastructure is moving ahead. Obviously, there's Cross River Rail. It's happening everywhere. You can see that development, uh, Metro. Uh, I, I do my morning swims in at Musgrave Pool and, and look directly at the city and watch. I'm watching Queen's Wharf go up um, very, very fast, actually. So that's exciting to actually see that. Um, obviously, as Melinda said, the Olympic Games were the only one that's got it. So, um, you know, it, that's obviously an exciting time for Brisbane. Um, and I haven't even mentioned how good the weather is up here. So you've left it until the end of the podcast. So to there talk you go. The so beautiful weather, affordable, and um, best city to live in, really. So <laughs> you can't beat it. Anyway, look, hopefully that's helped people. Um, not a lot of data, but well, I'm sure we'll do a market update soon and I'll get drowned by data. So hopefully that's given you a bit of an insight to what we see, what we do on the ground here. Um, and um, look, hopefully everyone's enjoyed that little episode. So as usual, I will throw it over to Melinda to wrap things up and uh, we'll talk again next week. Thanks very much. Bye for now. 
Thanks very much for joining us again on the Brisbane Property Podcast. And as always, if you have enjoyed this content, please share this episode with your friends and family. And don't forget to leave us a review so that other people can also find this podcast um, and benefit from the information that we share. Hope you have a fantastic week. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.